Welcome everyone. I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana. And we're here at 318 Latino Studios for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. And we have an extra special guest today. It's Miss Martha Merrick. Martha, thanks for being here. Thank really you, my appreciate pleasure. it. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. Well, I'll hop into your world. Okay. Um, and I get anything wrong, please correct me. Um, but you are the executive director of the Food Bank of Northwest Louisiana. That's correct. In a little while, we'll get more into the details and specifics of your work at the Food Bank. But before we do, let's start here today if we could. For the more fortunate and or moneyed people in our community, paint a picture, if you could, of what food insecurity looks and feels like for many of our residents in Northwest Louisiana? So that is an excellent question. And I have to say, I have been at the food bank for 15 years. That's the first time I've been asked that question. So I'm delighted to tell you. There's not one answer. It looks different for a lot of people. You know, homelessness is something that a lot of us, we think we see and we know what a homeless person looks like, but we don't know what a hungry person looks like because they look like all of us. We, they don't look any different. But a homeless, a, a food insecure person could be anywhere from a senior citizen who worked their entire life, maybe checked us out at Brookshire's or at a grocery store or at the dry cleaner, and really thought that their social security would be enough to live on and found that they have lived so long that that benefit has not increased with, um, with the cost of living, <clears throat> and they find themselves in a, in a bad spot. Or a senior who has enough provisions to take care of themselves, but not their grandchildren, because almost 20% of the seniors that we help are raising their grandchildren without any type of additional support. It could be a single mom or a single parent household that is working, the parent is working, and just with, again, the high cost of living, doesn't have enough resources to cover everything. And usually we see that when there are family emergencies, like the car broke down, additional medical bills. That's the safety net that we create to help these families. Again, not one, one reason, multiple reasons. It's just a life happens type of thing. Um, it could be someone who, um, for the first time in their whole family's history, they have the benefit to go to college, and they're trying to work part-time or full-time to go to college and just don't have enough, enough means for food. So it's a huge cross-section, um, but we're thrilled to be in that space to be able to meet anyone where they are. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. And the Food Bank of Northwest Louisiana is the largest distributor of donated food for our seven parish area and one of only five food banks in the state. That's correct. You sort, warehouse, and distribute food to over 150 nonprofit organizations, shelters, and churches in the seven parish region of Caddo, Bossier, Bienville, Claiborne, DeSoto, Red River, and Webster. That's correct. Simply put, 
you, Martha, you oversee one of the most important nonprofit organizations in our community whose mission is to serve as the primary resource for fighting hunger in Northwest Louisiana. So my questions are, are the following. What are the food bank's greatest challenges today? And for those in our community listening, how can they best help you achieve your mission? So we have a lot of challenges, like a lot of businesses and organizations today. And I'm going to probably start with our largest, um, which I would say is capacity. We moved to a new facility in 2021, and the purpose of that was we had been in our same building on Texas Avenue where so many people knew us to be for 24 years. So the work of a food bank is to, um, of course, to distribute food, but the way we measure our food, because we don't have sales, is we, we weigh it. And so we determine our growth by pounds of food. So to give you an idea of our growth in the last 24 years, when we first started in 1996, we distributed um, not quite a million pounds of food for that, maybe that first two or three years. We got started, we were growing. Well, when we left Texas Avenue 24 years later, we were distributing 1.8 million pounds of food each month. So we had you know, really elevated the amount of, of work that we were doing. And that comes with a lot of growing pains. And that in itself is, is a challenge because as we find folks that need our help and our services, um, we have to find the food to support that. And that's very, very challenging. The pandemic caused greater challenges for us only because the network of food banks, and there are 200 food banks across the United States, um, we rely on, on surplus food. And when there is no surplus, as we saw when the supply chain got a little out of, out of um, gear, that, that availability of food for food banks stopped. And so what we're finding now is we're having to purchase full market for food where we've never had to do that before. It, it, in for up until COVID, we would contact national uh, food manufacturers and say, Kellogg, for, for example, would you donate a truckload of food to us? And they'd say, sure. And all we would do is pay for the transportation fees to bring that food to us. Now, if we called Kellogg, I would assume they would have to really stop and think about it um, because the need across the whole United States is so big. And our supply chain, for many reasons, still have not gotten back to where it was. So the food, finding food is a, is a, huge, a huge challenge. And then finding the funds to, um, to bring in more food is definitely a challenge. We have, um, you know, those, I would say, high-level top, that's our, our biggest problem. Um, we have smaller issues like a lot of nonprofits. Staffing is still an issue. Um, we are still finding um, challenges hiring the right person. Our team is very, very small, and um, we have a staff of 26. And so we want to be sure that we have the right person doing the right thing. And um, so we're still having, and we, we try, you know, we feel like we don't want to be part of the problem of not offering a living wage to our employees that come to us for food. Um, we don't want to be part of that 
problem. And so we want to offer as fair of a salary as we can, but being a nonprofit, that too is difficult. So um, I, th I would say that that is a challenge in itself. And then um, also, you know, a handful of our team, we've been there 12 to 50. We have two employees that have been with us for 26 years. Um, myself, I've been there 15. A lot of our team is getting to a point where we would like to one day start thinking about slowing down and to replace that many folks. Um, that's going to be a challenge in itself, but that's way down the road. But um, I would say food and funds. Now, we are very blessed on the opposite side of that, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself with questions, and I apologize, that we are very fortunate to have a tremendous amount of support from volunteers. And, you know, volunteers have filled in a lot of our staff or some positions for us. We have a gentleman who has been driving for us uh, three days a week for 12 years. And he, he has a gate key. He comes in, gets in his vehicle, runs his route, and comes back. And that is so awesome for us because that's payroll dollars. That's stability. That's everything on the great, on the plus side. Um, so we're very fortunate that our volunteers have supported us and kind of been our backbone uh, to help us get more food at the door. And then once the food leaves the food bank and goes to our 150 partners, almost all of that too is volunteer driven. So the volunteer network around any food bank is huge. And logistically, <clears throat> this wasn't one of my set questions, but yeah. logistically, like how many how many drop-offs are we making on average a week, let's right. say, or a month, or yeah. just give me a sense of kind of scale and mm -hmm. logistics that you're managing. Okay. So we partner with 130 partners, or between 130 and 150, and all of them will either get come to the food bank to pick up their order or get a delivery at least once a month. Um, some distribute weekly, so they're with us every week. So it really varies, um, and some of our partners are small, and some might get two whole truckloads of food every week. So it's, it's not uh, the same for every location, but, um, but our docks are constantly active. And I would say of the 130 locations that we partner with, it's about 50-50 pickup and delivery. Okay. Now, our drivers are also, and we try and, and be smart when we can with our deliveries and our pickups because almost every grocery store in our service area donates their surplus to us. So let's say you're shopping and a box of cereal accidentally falls off the floor and your buggy taps it and crushes the box. You know, cereal's almost $6 a box. No one wants to buy that box that's crushed. That's typical of what is donated to us from the grocery stores. And we use our volunteers to vet those products to make sure, like going back to the cereal, the inner sleeve of the cereal is not crushed. It's still good. It's just the box isn't pretty. Food is food, right? And so that would be very something very typical that would be donated to us from a grocery store. Our drivers go to all of our retail partners three times a week. So we have some drivers that that's all they're doing is making a, a, a route of just picking up food from all of our different partners. So we're always looking for food in every avenue that we can find it. And can, can, can 
individuals bring food to the food bank? Absolutely. Um, it's very interesting that we get a lot of donations, a lot of donations usually around the holidays, around Thanksgiving and Christmas, but we also see a lot of people come right after Thanksgiving that they bought four cans of chicken broth and they only used two or they brought, you know, they, people overbuy, we all do it, you know, not wanting to run out when they're cooking and people will come and bring us their excess and we love that. In the summertime, we, um, we're very grateful for our, our home farmers who plant too many cucumbers and they start coming in. And um, so so home gardens are, are definitely, you know, when, when that produce starts getting ripe, we love those types of donations. We even have uh, one or two um, folks that have hens and when they get too many eggs, they will donate. So basically anything that is of excess or that people aren't going to use, we would love and welcome them to come donate to us. And we will give them a receipt for their taxes too, so that if they would like to put a value to that, they're welcome to, because we want them to get benefit for what they do for us. It's not just cash donations, even food donations. Um, you can use that for your taxes. Wonderful. Yeah. And I, I know from preparing for today's discussion and taking in all the different information on your website that the food bank offers uh, a wide variety of different programs. Um, talk to me, if you could, about two to three of your key programs, sure. um, whether it's the backpack program, the summer food service program, the senior program, or other programs altogether. Sure. I'll let you choose. You just okay. tell me kind of what you'd like to highlight and focus okay, on. Okay, great. Thank you. So, you know, food insecurity um, is, is a tough challenge, and we know that there are two populations that really suffer the most when there is lack of food in the home, and that's our seniors and our children. The primary work of the food bank is distribution to those 150 partners that we talk about. But we do need to focus on those very, very um, significant populations that need a little extra help. And so for that, we have created two programs, our, um, our Senior Box Program. And I believe the Senior Box Program has been kind of the backbone of the food bank because a lot of people know us specifically for that program. I think it was one of the first programs that the food bank started many, many years ago in 1996. Um, the, the senior program is, is kind of shifted a little bit to what it looks like from when it was first started, but we really, because our service area is so large, it's, you know, it's seven parishes. It's the Texas border, the Arkansas border, all the way to Arcadia and then down into Mansfield and Cushada. It's a, it's a big area. And we know that rural hunger is a huge issue. You know, these are the real food deserts. There are cities and towns that have no grocery store in them. And, um, these are the focuses and these are the things that really our team at the food bank are most concerned about. You know, if you are a homebound senior and you don't have a grocery store in your community, we are challenged on how these folks are getting their food because a lot of them, they're grown, they're, you know, being seniors, their children have moved to other communities for jobs better life, which of course as a parent we want for our children, but nonetheless in the older golden years, it's very challenging. So our senior box program, and we use volunteers to pre-pack a box of food, and we take it to um, really 
outlying communities like Cushada um, and partner with volunteers in those communities to help get the food directly to the person that needs it. And it serves two purposes. It, we, we know it helps with their food insecurity, but it also is that home check, too, to make sure that that senior is okay and do they need anything. And they, they get lonely, I'm sure, but um, it's a great program, and we, we love being able to do it. We do it um, in, in mainly outlying areas. We do it up in, in Vivian, in Red River, in Arcadia, rural lawyers. There's a lot of service. There's more service in Shreveport-Bossier because the population is bigger. When you get into outlying communities, there's less and less resources available. And so that's why we really focus that box program there. Um, and we love the program, and we use hundreds of volunteers every year to pack those boxes to get that to them. Our other population that we talk about are our kids. You know, it's unfortunate that um, we help 75,000 people each year with food, and of that, about 25,000 are children. And children really suffer. They, they cannot fully develop. They cannot learn. They have health issues right off the bat as being young and without food. And so we feel like we, this is a great space for us to be in to provide that nutrition because that's the key to everything. So we have three programs for our children, and I'll briefly talk about all three. Sure. Um, one is our backpack program, and we love our backpack program. We have a lot of donors that help us with this. Um, the program was really invented or created by a school nurse in the um, Little Rock, Arkansas area and partnered with the food bank there to help get it started many, many years ago. This school nurse kept seeing the same children come to their office with with health issues, chronic issues, over and over. And every time they would come, she would feed them. She would give them something to eat. And really, not soon after, she realized these children are just hungry. You know, a lot of their health issues stem from lack of nutrition. And so the program began, and most food banks in across the United States have the same program. And we love it. Not only do we love it because we're feeding children, but we can measure outcomes. It's not just, here's some food, but we see test scores improve, and we see overall health and just physical appearance of a child change with something that we take for granted, simplest food. And so we work with schools um, in low-income areas, at-risk youth, and ask either the principal or the counselor to help us identify children who have signs of what we call chronic hunger. And there are very visible signs of chronic hunger. One of the things we tell them is chronic hunger looks like a child that um, when it's time to line up to go to the cafeteria is pushing and shoving to get to the front of the line. They are just incredibly hungry. Or no matter what the meal is, it may not be something that any of the children at the lunch table are eating. They will clean their plate and ask for food off of other people's plates. And so a lot of our um, school folks, they know the families because a lot of the children come back over, you know, year after year. And so they are very uh, great partners to help us identify the children that need a little extra sustenance that depend solely on school for breakfast and lunch. And so we um, 
have a program where we provide, it's, um, it's a gallon-sized baggie of food. They're all child-friendly foods. They're zip-top cans and granola bars, milk, cereal, um, and the children are brought to a central location, usually on Fridays, if Friday's the last day of the week. It could be Thursday in some schools. And, um, and the, it's discreetly put in their backpack so that these children have a continuation of food over the weekend when school is closed. And, you know, it has made a difference, and we have really seen some wonderful outcomes from the program for these kids. And I think it also shows that they care. A lot of the students that we talk to, they have no idea that the food bank is doing it. They don't know who's putting the, you know, the origin of the program. All they know is, is that there's some sustenance there for them. And we love that. We really, really do. Um, we also have two more programs for children. They're, they run, they're the same program, but one's during the school year and one is, is during the summer. Um, that we are um, a, a, what we call a sponsor through the child and adult food program where we can provide free um, after-school meals for children during the school year and then breakfast and lunch during the, um, during the summer. And we do this with... Um, for in years past, we've partnered very nicely with the Lighthouse programs for Volunteers of America, the Boys and Girls Club. We don't provide the tutorial, the the actual st structured program. We will just provide a meal to any um, program. If the Y had a program after school, you know, if it's for low income children, we would love to, you know, partner with any nonprofit um, or church that would love to to help us feed more children. We have the capacity to do it, we, and we're always looking for partners to help us to, to reach more children. It's a great program. It, it um, you know, it because it's a, a government sponsored program, there's a lot of rules and regulations, and there's no you know, no tweaking the program. It rolls out exactly the way it's designed. And that takes a little patience, but for free food, we're willing to do that, you know, to make sure that more of our children get fed. And I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but um, just there, there are a lot of people in our community who rely on their school experience for their breakfast and lunch, right? That's right. And that's why this program... That's that right. takes place in the summer is so critical. It is. You know, we worry about our kids during the summer because so many of them do depend on breakfast and lunch at the school. And a lot of them, especially in rural areas, it's hard to find them. You know, if we want, because we can do these programs in many communities. Well, if we don't know where they're going in the summer, if they're all staying home, you know, it's a challenge. You know, a lot of people ask me and our team, you know, do you see a lot of increase at the holidays? And, you know, we really don't. Our distribution is pretty even month to month. But if it goes up, believe it or not, it goes up in the summer because kids are home from school that have normally had their meals, at, you know, at school. And so moms are really challenged um, in the summer on how to feed their kids. And so that's usually when we see an uptick. In our distribution. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes I, I had to learn that myself when I came to the food bank. It was very different because I'd never thought. I kept thinking, oh, it's going to be December. You know, everything happens November and December. No, more donations come, but our food going out remains about the same. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. So in a second, I want to kind of zoom out of the food bank world. Sure. But just before I do, is there anything else food bank specific 
because I want to talk to you just about kind of what you see globally in our community. And I didn't ask you this question, but I know you're the president. Is it president? President, mm-hmm. president of the of Rotary Berlin. Club mm-hmm. of, of Shreveport right, right. now. So um, before I kind of get more into the community itself, is there anything else food bank specific that you'd like to mention that I didn't yeah, ask about? Yeah, I, I do just briefly want to talk about the types of food that we Please. distribute because we have made a huge effort um, in the last years not just to distribute food, but to try and distribute healthy food. You know, it's very expensive. Um, if if you just shopped the perimeter of your grocery store, you think about it, when you walk in, you usually walk in in produce, and then there's meat, and then there's dairy. Those are your most expensive items. The folks that we help, they're shopping the center of the aisle. They're sent of the grocery store, more dried foods that have a lot of sugar and salt and preservatives. And so our goal, and, and we're not there yet, but we're made huge leaps, is to pattern our inventory as the MyPlate USDA recommended diet. So we want 51% of our inventory to be fresh fruit and vegetables, and we want 13% to be dairy, um, and 12% to be protein. And we're almost there. I tell you, the thing that we're the most off on is dairy, because dairy, you have to turn that pretty quick. Protein, you can freeze. You can freeze ground meat, chicken, fish, everything. The dairy's a little tricky for us, but and we're almost there on the on the fruits and veg, fresh fruits and vegetables, and that really makes our team feel like we're really doing the right thing. You know, we're not handing someone um, ramen noodles or um, a can of of um, maybe a beef stew or soup. We do some of that, but more than than that are those fresh foods. No, I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned that. Yeah. And I will mention that uh, you kindly and generously gave me a tour of the facility in the last few months. And it's a, it's an amazing place. And uh, I know how fortunate we are to have you well, in your position you. and yeah. this organization in our community. Well, thank you. And I welcome the community to come see the work that we're doing. You know, it's, it's easy for me to talk about it. And I am such a visual person that if I tell someone that we have a... 62,000 square foot building and a 45,000 square foot warehouse that's full of food. I I don't know that I could even conceptualize what that is, but when you open the door into our warehouse, it is, it's amazing. And I, I, I'm not saying that to be braggadocious. I'm just, it's pretty incredible even to me every day. And I work there. No, it's the reality. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk more. So let's zoom out a little bit. My, My first question for you is just, as you look around our community, it can be the seven parishes you cover. It can be the shreveport Bozier community. Talk to me about some of the things that concern you the most just about this community as you look around. So I have a lot of concerns. Um, you know, I think that, um, and I don't have a lot of statistics. A lot of this is just my opinion. So I will just let you know that it's strictly my opinion. But, um, you know, I feel like, I so let me back up a little bit and tell you that I'm not a Shreveporter. I am originally from New Orleans, and sometimes I say words, and it's you'll know I'm from New Orleans. Um, and we, my husband and I, chose to move here 35 years ago when we started our family. Never in a million years did I dream I would ever leave New Orleans, but we recognized that Shreveport was a lovely community to raise a family. 
And in comparison, the, well, back then the crime was almost zero. I mean, people were just starting to get frustrated because they had to lock their front doors. So a lot's changed since then. But, you know, we recognize that it, what a jewel um, our community is. And, and moved here and raised our family here. And, you know, I think that a lot of what I see and I feel is only, it happens in a lot of communities as they, as they get age. I'm sure that 35 years prior to me moving here, someone had a similar reaction to what happened 35 years later. And I'm going through the same thing. But um, I feel like it's very unfortunate. And I feel like Shreveport sometimes is not fair to itself. You know, I visit New Orleans and people love, New Orleanians love their city. I have a daughter that's in Kansas City. And I'm going to tell you, Kansas City pride is huge. There are stores all over the city that just sell Kansas City clothing and mugs and everything. And their community loves their city. I feel like we don't love our city. And I think it's a missed opportunity that it has to start with us. Um, yes, we have crime. We have some significant crime. We have too many young people that are dying. We have too many, in my opinion, issues that are being solved with guns that really we need to use our words, all of our words in our vocabulary. Um, but I don't know that our situation isn't different than a lot of cities today. A lot of it is just where we are in the world. Um, but I think that um, we need to love Shreveport more. And why do you think that? I'm just curious. Um, I always like to hear people's opinion or take of why we may have a slow, uh, low self-esteem or a negative self-image. What, what do you attribute that to? I don't know. To? You know, I don't know. Before I was at the food bank, I was 17 years at Mall St. Vincent. And I think some of it, I'm going to make a real odd parallel, so stay with me on this. You know, when I was in the retail business, everybody wanted to go to Dallas to go shop because it was bigger and it was better and it was sparkly and whatever. We had great retail here. They chose not to support it here, and the retail closed. I think it's the same thing. Like, over there is better than what's right here, and it's really not. We have lovely things here. We have fabulous things in our community. We just sometimes we don't always recognize the gift or the value that they have for our community. A quality of life is essential, and we've got one of the oldest opera. We have the oldest opera organization in the United States. We have the oldest playhouse community theater with Trueport Little Theater. We have um, just, when you mentioned Rotary, just this last week, we had Laura Crawford come with her Suzuki school with her student. Just, you look around and there's so many wonderful things. Sometimes we just forget to look, I think. Yeah, I love that. And the parallel was easy to follow. Was it? Okay, good, yeah, and good. And it makes perfect it, sense. It does. It's yeah. just something about what's over there is better than what's right here. And I, I, you know, maybe it is, but you've got to stay, you've got to stay committed to your community. Love that. Okay, and so my final question is just, you know, the opposite of that. You know, what, what gives you hope uh, that we're, we're heading, we're, we're trending in a, in a positive manner? 
Well, I think you have to look for it, but it's there. You know, I think, you know, I, I will start, go back to that Suzuki class. It was so refreshing. We had anywhere from kindergartners to high schoolers come and they perform for us. And, you know, you look at the youth of today and you see same things that we saw years ago in our children. Um, you see that, that desire and, um, just the simplistic things. We had, um, we had a group, it was the cutest thing. It was the students at Cresswell Elementary, and they have a, it's the kind of their elite group of students, I believe, and they play the drums on buckets. Have you ever seen them? No. It's pretty amazing. And um, to see our youth loving what they're doing and being engaged in things and looking at, again, the positive things in our community, I think is very uplifting. I also think when you see, you know, the projects and the growth of our city, what the Y's doing, the investments that being made, Amazon, that's huge. Um, just these commitments up in, in plain dealing, there's a um, there's a manufacturer that's massive. And these folks could have picked anywhere in, in the world to be, and they choose plain dealing. Um, to me, that that's a check of validation. Like we're doing something right. And it really does inspire me that we're, we're still on the right trajectory for good outcomes. Well, is there anything else we didn't cover or talk about that is important to you or that, um, you think about that, um, is important for you to share, um, Today. And if not, that's fine. I just want yeah, to Yeah, I don't know that I can think of anything. I, we we kind of went all over the place. Um, no, I don't. I probably would think of something as soon as we as soon <laughs> as we right. stop. But no. But I thank you for the opportunity. This was wonderful. I really appreciate the opportunity to tell the story of the food bank. I think it's a pretty incredible story. Um, you know, we are, I feel so blessed to be able to get up every morning and do the work that I do. And I have to tell you, I could not do it without an amazing team that I work with. We click together. We're really like a family. And I, when we talk to people that when we hire people on, we're like, you know, I can teach you a lot of skill, but I can't teach you personality. And to join our family is really, really important to us. And so we look for someone that has that's mission driven that really want that really loves what the work that we're doing and I'm so grateful every day to work with just an amazing group of people that see our vision and, and carry it forth. Well Martha I'm so glad your husband and you chose thank our community you. and are here and you're thank doing you. such important work. Thank you. Thank you so much.